death of George Floyd in Minneapolis has continued to drive a nationwide movement against police brutality. Protesters are demanding justice nationwide. So today we take our first step towards starting the conversation. Educating. Stepping, Stepping out, out of our comfort zone. With the use of social media to share George Floyd and so many other people's stories, it's baffling to see how long this has truly been going on for. This time has allowed me to educate myself and others about being a part of the solution. I found so many different ways to get involved to support the Black community. I used to be the type of person who would rarely speak out about controversial issues, always feeling I shouldn't because who am I? I'm not an authority on anything. I learned that my silence was only helping me stay inside my comfort zone, and by staying silent, I was not standing up for what was right, failing to use my voice. How often do we take for granted the privilege we have to do the simplest of tasks? Going for a run, playing in the park. What if this was our brother, our father, our sister, our mother? Our hearts are heavy. The, the time, time for change, change is, now. is now. So it's time to jump into it, because this is an extremely important topic. We spent a lot of time crafting this episode, and we sincerely hope that you take these few minutes out of your day to listen to the perspectives of our guests, especially if their views differ with your own. When we disagree, we have the chance to learn. When we learn, we grow. Police brutality is a serious problem in America. Being a bystander only emboldens this toxic culture. For the next 30 minutes, we ask you to put your political beliefs aside and keep an open mind and heart. Our first guest for today is Melissa Anderson Ruiz. Melissa served as the Community Justice Coordinator for the Cape May County Prosecutor's Office from 2008 to 2013, where she helped to build and maintain working relationships between the community and law enforcement agencies. She recently received her master's in education and teaches basic skills reading K through second grade at the local elementary school. So we welcome Melissa to join the conversation with us today. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hi. Can you hear us? I can. Okay. So in light of everything that's been happening over the last couple of weeks, in your speech at the protest in Cape May Courthouse, you spoke about how a house or a kingdom divided cannot stand. So mm -hmm. in your opinion, how can we encourage those who are against the Black Lives Matter movement to join the conversation? Really what it's about is just us, the people who are engaged in the movement um, and recognize that the only way to move forward is to be anti-racist. And I don't mean, you know, being blatantly racist, but letting go of racist ideals, things that we've kind of been fed from the get-go. And that goes for white people, Black people, and everybody in between. I think it's just important for us to keep the conversation going and let people know who are not necessarily for the movement at this at this moment that they are invited to come and listen and talk and change their understanding and their ideas one of my favorite quotes is when you know better you do better it's kind of like when you're talking to a kid right or a student in my case where right. it doesn't look like they're necessarily listening to you or paying attention but that doesn't stop you from saying the things or giving the directions that you need for them to learn you say it, <laughs> sometimes they are actually listening. Sometimes their learning is just different and you just have to kind of um, figure out where they are and where they stand and just keep the information available. Why do you think that so many students go through school without ever having a black teacher? 
Well, in my opinion, the school system is still doing what it was designed to do. Okay. So we know that racism is just a deflection for self-interest. Racism was created for self-interest. So for example, when the Portuguese were bringing Africans over, they were saying what they really wanted was to make money, was to, to do the heavy lifting without actually having to do the heavy lifting. And so they created this identity for Black people, right? That mm-hmm. says that they're less than, that they're inferior, all these things to galvanize people to make this thing acceptable, okay? And so it's kind of, um, when we talk about systemic racism, it's kind of ingrained in not only white society, but black society, that somehow black people are less than or not um, worthy of doing certain things or being in certain professions. And at this moment in history, we're coming to realize that that's just not the case. So when you're talking about education, one of the things that goes back to Willie Lynch, I don't know if you guys are are familiar with him, but he was kind of the guy who created uh, the system on how to keep Uh, Black people enslaved. One of the quotes that he has or one of the edicts of his uh, theory is to keep the body and take the mind. And so the best way to take the mind is to deny access to education, right? Right. And so when you're denied access to education or the things that will help you advance in society, you (laughs) often don't go back to those places or you don't have the resources or the education or the know-how or the fortitude to be in a position of authority to change things. So as far as the education system is gone, um, it's just really, for me, what I see is uh, just generational. It's, it's really interesting to think about the lack of diversity within the school system. And I'm not talking just about students. We have a very diverse student population, but the diversity also has to be reflected in administration and faculty and staff and not just seeing specific groups of people at certain levels. You know, we could blame it on a lot of different things. We're going into different professions or, you know, um, the education isn't there, but we have to make a concerted effort within the educational institution to seek out people who are qualified, but also diverse. So for me, like, you know, people will talk about um, affirmative action, but (laughs) it has its place, it has its benefits. And sometimes, you know, people mis- misuse it and they have the wrong ideology right. about it. But you also have to be uh, qualified. And for me, my qualifications, um, you know, had a lot to do with how I was brought up, but also the choices that I continue to make based on the actual uh, goals that I have for my- have set for myself. So I don't really know the specific answer as to why there's not a lot of diversity, particularly down here with the educational community, but it also has a lot to do, I think, with what you can offer in your community. So if I wasn't from Cape May County and I went to look around and see what else they had to offer me as far as lifestyle outside of work, I don't know that I would necessarily be thrilled about coming here. Um, I can't speak for any other... communities because I'm not from there but there are certain things that you know will attract a younger more diverse crowd and a lot of that just isn't present down here and it's interesting that you say that because obviously you know I went to school in Middle Township and in this area and I thought about it the other day because I saw it posted on social media to question yourself did you ever have a black teacher growing up? Mm-hmm. And I realized that it wasn't until college, mm-hmm. a broadcasting professor that I physically had a black teacher as my primary teacher. Yes, And that was just 
kind of crazy to to realize and to sit back and think about. And so I think that that's really important. So as kind of a spin off of that, obviously you are an educator. So how do you teach your children to use their voices to affect change? So most of it, because I teach them so young, where they're really at an age where they're absorbing all of the information around them, right? They're sponges and they, they're doing what they see. They're, they're, they're saying they're, um, they're saying what they hear. And so for me, it's about, I'm a, I'm a reading teacher. So for me, it's about putting in front of them diverse books that they can relate to. And it's not necessarily about pointing out that this character is black or this character is Hispanic, but just to let them see that these characters exist because these kind of people exist. Right. Right. And it's okay that they're here and it's normal that they're here. And so when they grow up questioning their own ideologies and beliefs, they're not left with only half of a story. Another thing is um, I'm not necessarily teaching them what to learn. I am teaching them how to learn because myself included, I also have biased ideologies. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's, there's certain things that I lean more toward because of my experience. Right. So it's not necessarily, let me teach you this. Let me teach you how to learn and how to research and how to understand. And that way you can form your own educated uh, opinion and be able to place them there. And not only that, be able to, uh, and be able to, and be open to learning the information and being able to change your thoughts once you get things um, that may conflict with your beliefs. Okay, not saying that this is necessarily wrong, but hey, I didn't consider that before. Let me consider it now and understanding that it can change your opinion, but it doesn't have to. So it's really about putting it all together and letting them know that they could take this path or this path or this path or this path um, based on their understanding and their truths and and what they want learn along the way. So that's really my my philosophy when it comes to educating um, the students that I have. Recently, we've heard the word privilege being thrown around quite often, with so many of us realizing that we are in fact privileged. How can we be better allies to the Black community? Well, privilege comes in all shapes and sizes. I have to recognize that I have certain privilege as well. Uh, I can't speak for the entire Black community because even as a Black woman, I can't give you an accurate description of what it's like to be a Black man, right? Even as a Black woman, I can't give you an accurate description of what it's like to be a Black woman from the inner city. So for me, I like to use I statements. What has this done to personally reflect on me or what have I done to make a change? So um, a lot of it for me is continuing learning about um, various accounts of, of the human experience, right? Because that's at the, at the end of the day, that's all we are is we're human. So I have darker skin than you. That's because it's just telling you where my ancestors came from and their relationship with the sun. So you're talking about ally. Um, the best thing you can do is educate yourself. Don't think that you can speak for me, just like I don't think I can speak for you or anybody else, right? Be open to the ideas um, that just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't mean it doesn't happen at all, okay? Understanding that, yes, there is a bias out there. There is a, this, this thing called systemic racism that forms your ideas about Black people. It forms your ideas about who you are in the society. Why are we saying that white people are better than Black people or Hispanic people? You know what I mean? 
why is it that there's this this globalized generalization about anybody right if you say certain things i remember uh uh, a friend of mine who who said that they don't see color and actually was a teacher i'm sorry it was a teacher i was in i don't know eighth grade was a teacher i don't see color and at first you know with my eighth grade mind hey that's great (laughs) That's so brilliant. I love it. This person doesn't see color. Um, But in that thought, as I grew older, I found out that it wasn't really noble, but really ignorant because color is a way um, is used to categorize us. It's used to create division. It's used to um, create narratives that aren't that don't always have the best intention. So for me, I live an experience where, yes, my color is used to uh, justify certain things. Is it right? Of course not. Well, I personally believe that it's not right. right. But I have to say that my experience tells me that color is important. I just filled out the census. One of the questions that they ask is what color you are or how do you identify? You don't have to answer. But if you do and they find out that there's some kind of... um, you know, pattern going on down here, you can get money or you don't get money. So it's used to justify all sorts, all sorts of things. And so there, there has, there is an importance, I feel that we need to understand. And in your privilege, recognize that certain people are dealing with things on a regular and daily basis, and you can't just turn a blind, blind eye to it. So in order to be an ally, I think you have to understand the people with whom you're trying to walk, walk with and talk with and recognize that your privilege can do a lot to change the narrative, um, but also not to use your privilege in a way where you begin to take over the narrative because we've already had enough of that. We've come to a point now where it seems that if you speak out for the Black Lives Matter movement, you are against the police and vice versa. And Mm -hmm. I do relate to this because I have, obviously, you know, my dad was a former police officer. And so Mm -hmm. that is hard because Obviously, I'm an ally to the Black community, and on social media, all of this hate is sort of brewing, and people are categorizing you in one category or the other. So, mm-hmm. how do we get how do we get past this? I'm not certain, really. I mean, there's there's all sorts of trending things um, that people say. You know, we don't when you say Black Lives Matters, it's not saying that all lives don't matter. Right. But I think that if people say that all lives matter. Um, <clears throat> as a rebuttal to Black Lives Matter, they're not, they're not hearing us. Right. They're mm-hmm. not hearing us. And people use all sorts of uh, funny memes and things to kind of, you know, make it make sense. You know, we're talking about breast cancer awareness. If you come out and say all cancers matter, you sound ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think when we're talking about, um, you know, like with specifically within the Black community, um, we like the word uh, intersectional, right? Because I'm not just black, I'm a black woman, and there's a different set of th- uh, rules and, and obstacles that come with being that. Whereas you could be a black, uh, black transgender, and within the community, you have um, sort of segregation amongst them, right? So I think that is just, it, it's really hard to kind of like, to kind of make a category out of these things, but also realizing that we're not all just one thing. So yeah, you can say, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, say blue lives matter as a rebuttal to all black lives, all, all, all lives matter. 
um, you can be for good police, right? And you can be for Black Lives Matter. Right. You know what I mean? But if you're using it as a rebuttal, it's like we're what we're saying to you is falling on deaf ears. And that's right. really irritating and frustrating. And at the end of the day, it still doesn't make sense when you use that as a rebuttal. So the Black Lives Matter movement is calling for a national defunding of the police. Uh, this mm-hmm. has caused a lot of outrage and confusion. So could you explain a little bit more about this and, and its purpose? So when people hear this defunding the police, they automatically think that, you know, we're trying to get rid of the police. And that's not really the case. It's that government is using the police as a weapon against communities that the this organization is sworn to protect and serve. Okay. Reform is a little bit different and difficult when you have this institutional racism. How can you reform something that's already been cultivated? Do you know what I mean? So it's born and bred this way and reforming it is going to be more challenging than getting rid of the whole thing and redesigning it with a proper purpose where it's meant to protect and serve the entire community. So I think that people have to understand the verbiage that is, is, is being used and what we're actually meaning by it. So it's not like, let's get rid of the, get rid of the police, let's get rid of the um, emergency services, and right. who are we going to call? Okay, so we have police, police officers have a very difficult job, right? They're under right. so much scrutiny. Um, when they're called, they have to be all kinds of things, counselors, mediators, they've got to be law enforcers, they've got to be lawyers, they've got to be all of these things that they're not necessarily equipped to do. And so instead of pouring money into a system that is not working, we need to take money from that and create a system that is like a, a, a web. So you have this person, this, this part of the organization that's coming to respond to this and this organization that's coming to respond to that. And that way we have um, a, a more cohesive uh, programming or institution that is equipped to deal with the situation no matter what it is. Before you leave us, I just wanted to play a short clip of the extremely moving speech that you gave at the protest in Cape May Courthouse just a few weeks ago, because I think this specific part was really powerful. I have a daughter now who's biracial. She likes it. She don't look nothing like me, really. One time this lady tried to give her away to another white lady there, child right now. <laughs> but she did. at this moment, I recognize that my daughter will have a privilege over her best friend who is darker than she is. Oh, gosh. And to exercise to that privilege <laughs> to make effective change. That like that was it was it was really funny because the, the lady she meant absolutely no harm. And it's really funny because again, she saw color, right? <laughs> My daughter is very light skinned and she saw color. She was like, There's no way possible. She made a whole judgment about the life story in that quick, quick instance. And we all right. do it, right? We're taught to categorize things. That's how we bring in the information quickly so we can kind of right. process and move on with right. our lives. <laughs> And she was just like, oh, go to your mom and pushed her right over to the, to the, to the white lady. The white lady's like, that's not my kid. I'm like, Hey, it's my kid. And she, yeah, she turned so red. I was like, it's all, it's all good. Don't you worry about it. Well, you're the, you're the best. Thank you so much. All right. See you. Have a good one. Our next and final guest today is Alexander Bland. 
who is New Jersey's youngest NAACP branch president. Bland leads the NAACP as they ensure political, educational, social, and economic equality of rights to all persons and to eliminate racial hatred and racial discrimination. Please welcome our next guest. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, how you doing? For those who don't know, what is the difference between NAACP and Black Lives Matter? And can you be a part of both? Yeah, well, the difference between uh, Black Lives Matter and NAACP is the NAACP has been around since 1909. Black Lives Matter movement started, I believe, with the Mike Brown situation. Uh, absolutely. Like, everybody is all for one. You know, you can be a member of both. Uh, I'm in Cape May County, so I don't even know. I think maybe the closest BLM movement is maybe Philly. So, you know, but that is really not a difference, but the difference is um, that's, that we, we've been around longer. <laughs> okay. I know this question has been brought up a lot over the last week. From within the Black community, what is your differentiation between the looters and the protesters? Well, the looters are there for their own agenda. <laughs> uh, the protesters are there right. for the movement, for, for, for the cause, for, to make a difference. You know, to show that, you know, we're out here hurting. And uh, the looters are, the, I don't know nothing about the looters. They're there for their own agenda. They want to just maybe tear stuff up. Sometimes it's far less people. Sometimes it's even uh, white supremacy groups that, that do it. So it's, it's, right. they don't help the movement, and they should just stay away. We've seen a lot of, like, backlash or a lot of just information on the Internet right now. And some choose not to speak about the death of George Floyd but have strong feelings about looters and protesters. So what is your take on that? They just they just need to open their eyes. You know, you should pray for people like that. You know, the, the, uh, to complain about inanimate objects and property who they have insurance, like Target has insurance, Walmart has insurance. Mr. George is never getting his life back, you know. Uh, and if you can't see the difference and if you complain about one and not the other, then your eyes are just closed and you refuse to see. And I will probably argue that you're a racist. Well, that kind of leads me into my next question. What do you say to people who are denying the reality of what's happening in our country right now? I mean, look, if, if you watch that uh, tape, if you watch that clip and, and you can't, and you're not outraged, then I, I don't know what to tell you, man. That that video is so undeniable, you know. It's, it's people saying, get off of him. Right. And if you look at the officer, his face is just, like, so uh, so privileged, you know. Like, I, I don't care. I'm doing what yeah. I want. And even, he, even uh, he said, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. So if, if you watch that tape and you don't feel a way, then I – I just got to pray for you. That's all I can say. I, I'm trying to keep it peaceful, you know. But uh, if everybody spoke out of even it don't matter, Republicans, Democrats, uh, left, right, high, whatever you believe in, you know, you spoke. people spoke out about it. Even police officers spoke out about it and said, you know, we, we would never do that and we would never uh, condone that. We would never support that. So, I, you know what, I've lost it. I've, I've had it with people when I had to argue about the Trayvon Martin case. Uh like George Zimmerman, man, you you call the police off, you call the cops to think some some kid is burglarizing, you know, and then they say 
the uh, the, uh, the uh, operator says, don't go near him. Just don't go near him. Stay away from him. The police will handle it. You still go out your way to follow the 16-year-old child, and you starting with him. Hey, what are you doing around here? And then you kill him because you started a fight, and he beat you up. <laughs> and people don't find a problem with that. Well, he was protecting his life. Well, he wasn't protecting his life, else he wouldn't have got into the situation at all. A lot of what you're hearing from the Black Lives Matter movement is a push for voting and restructuring of right. budgets. So how important is right. this in local government? Listen, if you protest and, and you just and you don't plan on voting or, or you don't plan on educating yourself more, then you just had to get together. You know, that is the most important thing we can do in our communities is vote and pay attention more. Know who your uh, local politicians are. Know who your local police chief are. Know who your local, whoever's calling the shots. Know who your judge is, just to know. You know, and we're not asking everybody to be Malcolm X or Angela Davis, but just be a little bit more woke. And these protests are not superficial. Don't do the protests, and then next week you forget all about it. Black lives matter. But is it going to matter when it stops mattering to the news? Is it going to matter when you stop getting likes about it? This is a 24-hour job. And not job it's a 24-hour duty to uh to make sure everybody's rights are kept the same so it's very important and i encourage people to know their policies i encourage people even more to vote now i'm sh i'm sure that you keep hearing people say all lives matter how do you explain to those people the importance of this moment it's like is you know duh you know all lives matter duh but Right now, we're talking about black lives. And my favorite thing that I say in my head is don't take me to Burger King and talk to me about Big Macs. You know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about black lives and the situation that black people are feeling. You know, people are getting killed on camera and uh, getting away with it, just like the Aubrey case, you know. Man, that, that situation happened in February. And you, do you know how the tapes got released? That oh, lawyer, that oh, lawyer put no, it out, no. thinking that was going to get him off. <laughs> that that lawyer oh. put the, and I'm, I'm thinking like, how sick is that? That they didn't see nothing wrong with the tape. Yeah. The lawyer put it out like, this is going to get you off. You know, you're innocent. You didn't do anything wrong. You were doing a citizen's arrest. You chased the guy. Like that's sick. I mean, some a follow up on that is the idea of just like you said earlier about being privileged. When I think of that. Many of us and people who are trying to be allies in the movement should be able to admit that because of our status or because of the color of our skin, we are privileged. So why do you think that it's so difficult for so many to admit that they are privileged? I mean, I guess it's the way you was raised, you know, the way you was raised, the way you was brought up. And I mean, you got you got you even got black people that that that'll argue with the uh, white privilege thing. And you know what? White, it is white privilege, but it's also black privilege. It, everybody has their privilege. It's just that we're dying <laughs> from the lack of privileges, you know. Right. Uh, so right. what do I say to them? It's just, just I don't know, read a book. <laughs> Watch the news, you know. Right. Stay off the uh, propaganda right. and, and, and look at the, the situation at hand, you know. And that's why those looters, to go back to that, that's why they messing up everything because you're messing up the message because we got to stop giving people to combat right. with you know just like with mm -hmm. this with this right. tape when the tape came out it was undeniable nobody could say nothing else about it 
it don't matter if he robbed the bank and it don't matter if he robbed. Okay. What he did, the crime that he had, the death wasn't the penalty for it. Mm-hmm. So right. that's the issue. And if he right. was white, maybe that situation wouldn't happen. I doubt it. If I was a betting man, right. I would bet it wouldn't right. happen. And if uh, somebody don't know that, then like I, all I can keep saying is God bless you. <laughs> From within the criminal justice system, what do you think it'll take for us to heal this problem? Well, like I said, you know, no, pe- the people got to know their policies. The people got to go out and vote and uh, vote for these politicians that's going to that's in our favor. Criminal justice needs needs a reform. Obama tried it, and even uh, President Trump spoke about it. And even though he didn't act on it, I guess he was just talking. But we got to put people in there that, that care about our views, you know. So that's all I can say about that. You know, vote and pay attention. Protest, mm-hmm. policy, protect. You know, and voting, that's how you do all that. You you, you want to protest and go out and vote. You want to know the policies to vote, and you want to protect yourself by voting, too. So, All four officers have been charged now for their involvement in George Floyd's death. So what happens next? For those who are trying to become better allies to the Black community, what can we do next? Just be an upstanding human being. And, you know, have an open mind and have an open heart. And that's all I can ask from uh, other people from other races. You know, I'm just like when when uh, when female when certain female issues come up, I know when to shut up. <laughs> you know, the thing about uh, abortions, right. do I believe in abortions? I know when to shut up because it's not my body. Right. So you, right. you know, you just gotta uh, have an open mind and have an open heart. I mean, we all got opinions. We all got opinions. We all mm-hmm. have opinions. Right. But the thing is, know when to use yeah. your opinion, know when to use your, I don't even want to say privilege, but know when to use it. Just, and, and if you got to check your yeah. friends or your family, then please do that. Give, not even check. Give them an open mind. Let them see the other side. That's what you can do. I know that my last question is I know you've um, helped with a lot of protests. I know you had one or yeah. two today. Uh, what res- have, you, have you seen an overall peaceful response in oh, this yeah. community? Oh, yeah. Every pro- we've been doing, well, not we, but there's been protests in Cape May County all since Monday, all week. And they all been peaceful. They all been loving. They they all was peaceful. Our particular, uh, not even a protest, we like to call it a rally. It was so peaceful. It was right. so loving, you know. And afterwards, you know, everybody was dancing. They started playing music. Old ladies who got up dancing. Yeah. It was like a, uh, man, it was so great. It was so great. It was so, like, you know, the <laughs> so politicians great. were yeah. there. They were showing the, 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 the police chiefs were there in each uh, from each town. It was a great event. It was on both sides. And right. like I said, you know, it's just, that's what it's about. And But now we have to put in the real work. You know, we got to register people to vote. We yeah. got to tell our people about the 2020 census. Like, do your census. You know, get counted. That's how you help your community out. Like I said, we're not asking everybody to be Malcolm X or Angela Davis or you don't have to do that. But just be aware of things and do your bare minimum. Vote in and right now your census is your bare minimum. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Thank Thank you. So those are our guests for today. And I don't know about you, Isabella, but I don't think that there's anything else that we can really say that would summarize the message that we're trying to get out there better than our guests did today. I completely agree with that. Our our guests today were 
phenomenal. And I'm so glad that they were able to share all this information for not just us, but also for our listeners. Absolutely. And I think just to reiterate what we said in the beginning, this was not an easy episode to craft. We wanted it to be perfect. We wanted it to be powerful. And we're also human. We wanted to make sure that the information that we were putting out was the best and most correct and current information that we could give you. Also, we don't want to offend. We don't intend to offend anyone with this information, but hope that you use it as a chance to educate yourself. I think I can speak for both of us when I say that we learned a lot in this process and uh, we're not not afraid to admit that we're still learning in our journey to be allies. So obviously this podcast episode is a little bit different than our usual coronavirus themed episodes, but Alyssa and I believe that this needed to be talked about. It is still so relevant and so important. And we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to us and joining the conversation. 